Hello, welcome to How to Write a Novel. So this is a very rare day where it's uh, it's all snowy and freezing and everything's ice and whatever. But it's not cold today for some reason. I mean, it's cold, but it's, uh, you know, when I took off my gloves, I didn't immediately start uh, dying. <laughs> so, so I was like, this is pretty cool. I should take advantage of this while I can. Because I'm uh, on my way to the dumb little local Tim Hortons and... Uh, we're at the COVID level here where it's starting to ramp up again like it is with everywhere, but uh, you can actually sit in the coffee shop, but there's only like three tables, you know, everything else is gotten rid of, so, you know, socially distanced, whatever. Once in a blue moon, there's a space there, but it still, it feels a little weird to me still to be sitting in a coffee shop, but, uh, but if there's a free table, I still do sit there and just do a little bit of writing just to get back that little taste of the old world, the old semi-productive world. Because that was always my favorite thing to do, was just walk to a coffee shop to do writing, and I haven't been able to do that in a year. But yeah, today, since it was surprisingly warm, I'm like, well, let's not risk this coffee shop roll of the dice. Let's just sit right here and do some writing. So I just sat on this snowy log and... And I'm working on, for anyone keeping track, chapter 44 of this book, which last year around this time, if I remember right, I was on like chapter 34. So like, wow, what an unproductive year. Holy fuck. I mean, I'm going to blame COVID quite a bit on that, that, but it is, man, that's slow. Like 10 chapters in a year. Yikes. But whatever, you know, again, the point is moving forward making progress. Doesn't matter that it's slow. I'm getting close to the end of this book. I'm still feeling like around chapter 50 is probably gonna wrap up this bad boy for the first draft. (laughs) But man, I mean, editing and stuff is gonna be so fast compared to the three-year slog of uh, writing the first draft. But I'm writing this chapter, and I wasn't too sure about this one. I just laid out the notes for it the other day, and And again, like part of going slow and stuff, part of it is just my COVID circumstances. But but I've noticed many times throughout writing this book that when I go slow, there's also usually seems to be a a deeper reason, you know, that I'm just I'm not kind of more excited to push forward because maybe in my subconscious, there's something I'm not sure about or I'm not sure I'm going the right way. And I kind of felt that way with this chapter where I laid out the notes for it and just something about it, I wasn't sure. It just didn't feel exciting. Like I was even kind of thinking like, should I just fucking get moving? Should I just skip to the end faster? Am I meandering too much? And again, I think, you know, second draft, I'll worry about that stuff more. But that I had that feeling was bad, you know, that I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure I was going the right way. So I split the chapter in half. Most of my chapters are not short in this book, but I was like, you know, maybe I'll just switch it up for now. Let's just try it, whatever. Again, I can worry about it later if it doesn't work. Let's split this chapter into two parts because it was maybe, I don't know, it was two pretty heavy things happening where where I'll talk about what happens in this chapter, but then the next thing was going to be that Surratt finally tries to watch footage of her homeworld exploding because that's why this alien space station she's on like that's why it was there it was there because they knew this cataclysm was coming and they wanted to study it so they have a lot of footage she doesn't know yet that that's why the station is here but but i remember i think about two years ago on this podcast i did a thing about 
about that, about what that chapter is going to be like, about her watching, trying to watch this cataclysm and how hard it's going to be. And just to draw from my own life, it's like, it was weird. It was just this weird Christmas photo of my brother and how much I hated looking at it. Just brought up so many weird, conflicting feelings. Anyway, it's an old episode of the podcast. But that's coming up now, next chapter, because I was like, maybe that's too much, too much stuff to happen in this one chapter. So I split it in half. So this chapter, what I do have here, I wasn't sure about, but I was like, I don't know, okay, let's just, let's just keep moving forward. Let's just see how it feels. And I just like that today, this kind of confirmed that, yeah, this chapter is okay. I like what's happening here. In a really obvious, direct way, it became clear. So what happens in this chapter is, ever since the start, a big theme of this book is that, from the very first chapter, is that these scattered survivors of this planet-wide apocalypse, there's like eight of them on the station. And they don't hang out with each other, they don't talk to each other, they deliberately avoid each other because they're still not ready to face up to the fact that they're survivors, that there's, they're the very few that are left, this whole calamitous situation. Again, see previous episodes for details. So in this chapter, Surratt, now she's, she's become like pals with the space station itself, with the system that runs the station. It doesn't really care for these, these boring people that run this station. It likes her. It likes her, this new crazy thing that's been injected into its life she's able to access the station now and do a lot of stuff that she couldn't do before because the station is like, hey, whatever you need, like, I'm here, I'm with you. All this crazy turmoil and weird shit that's going on in your life and that I can (laughs) kind of see that you're crazy, but that's fine. It's different. I need something to be different. So through her connection to the station, she finds out that one of the other Therium, one of her other people, One of them asked about footage. This is where it never occurred to her. It never occurred to her to ever even want to see her own planet blow up. But what gives her the idea, what gives her the notion that this could be a thing is that someone else asks about it. One of the other Therium asks if this is a thing that is available. And the downside to a a warm day, people walking by. Let's just let these people walk on by. So yeah, one of the other Therium asked about this and got nowhere and just got stonewalled. But that makes her curious about this guy. She starts looking into him a little and like no one even knows his name because he didn't tell anybody and he's just down in the depths of the station and he's kind of disheveled and falling apart and he's just, you know, not doing well. And she's kind of just like up in the rafters, up in the space equivalent of uh, an air vent, you know, just looking down watching this guy and kind of discussing with with the station, like, what do we know about this guy? What's his story? And it's, like I said, a pretty short chapter. That's really all that happens. She just kind of considers this guy and just how, you know, she can see that he's not, he's not looking after himself, he's not taking care of himself, and that other species, he probably looks fine to other people, but she knows her people. She knows that, you know, they're very strict and orthodox about certain things and that, just the little signs that he's not paying attention to his nutrition, he's not paying attention to exercise, he's not meticulously groomed, he's starting to fall apart. So what's going to happen in this chapter is just she's going to watch him for a bit, but she's going to, because she has this access to the station now, 
you know, it has a lot of, you know, it can control temperature and whatever, various different things around the station. But also, like, it can muffle sounds. That's what helped her sneak up on this guy so that he didn't realize that she's watching him. The station can, like, muffle sounds, but it can also amplify sounds. You know, it can mess with the acoustics. It can do weird stuff. Oh, and down under the station, there's, like, these rooms made out of crystals. I think I mentioned that once, but that was (laughs) ages ago. These crystal rooms, they harvest the crystals, and the crystals do different things. So she's going to quietly sing a song to the the station, the Akamulan. Just like a little lullaby from her world, you know? Like one of those songs that everybody would know. Rockabye Baby, London Bridge, whatever. And she's going to have the station use its acoustic magic to send that song to the guy, you know, just to have it like this little tiny, just on the edge of his perception, this song echoing off the crystals. And she watches him as like he, you know, his head jerks up, like, what the fuck is that? Where did that song come from? You know, like it's unmistakably a song from their home world. It's a song they know, but he doesn't know where it came from. He doesn't know why. He can hear that song, and he just breaks down and starts crying. And, you know, she's, like, still up in the vent, kind of looking down at him, a little bit of a lump in her throat, but she's more, she's a lot more stable at this point, like, now that she's not under the thumb of the situation as much, you know, she has a lot more power now. She's in a much better place than this guy, so she, uh, it only, it only hits her a little bit, but she watches this guy cry. And just thinks like, you know, don't worry, big guy. Like, I got you. I'm going to, what few of us there are left, I'm going to get us back on our feet. I'm going to get this fucking empire rolling again. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to make sure we're all right. And yeah, just sitting here in this snowy log, just writing this, just working my way through these notes and writing this chapter and thinking about this guy this space alien <laughs> deep underground in a alien space station you know weeping because of this stress and pressure that he's under and then this weird again he doesn't understand the full context of what's going on yet he doesn't know why he's hearing this lullaby but it's got to mean something and i just felt a little tear roll down my cheek And it's like, fuck yeah, dude. (laughs) Like, even if this fucking book never goes anywhere and never means anything to anybody, like, that's that's the perfect feeling that I want to have while I'm working on it. That's just how it's undeniable that for me, I am going in the right direction. And I'm, you know, even if the worst possible case scenario that I finish this book and it's just the unpublishable book, you know? It's just the book that's in my virtual shoebox forever. That it's just a springboard to the next book, to the next thing, to just build up my efficacy and my confidence with writing, like even if it never goes anywhere. I mean, I guess in that case, I would eventually just put it out online, just be like, here you go, I don't know if I can read it, but I wouldn't do that for a long time, <laughs> you know? I kind of want to go traditional. That's my plan. I don't want to try to market myself at this juncture. 
But even if that's what happens, it's like, man, it's just so such a good feeling that it literally doesn't matter if this book goes nowhere and no one else likes it because, man, the undeniable proof that I'm following the little muse inside me or following the little voice in my head properly, you know, I'm paying attention and I'm slow and steady, you know, I'm not speeding past anything, I'm not grinding out boring shit that I don't care about. It's that tear rolling down the cheek, like that's unfucking deniable. That's so great. It's like, yeah, dude. Because <laughs> it's not like this is the only chapter, you know? There's so many chapters that I feel this way about. And I feel like if this is, like, if I like it this much, it has to work for somebody, right? It has to go somewhere, but I don't know. Enough weird stuff has happened in the world that it's like, who knows? You cannot predict outcomes. You can't... Expectation's a killer. You can't expect things. You can't put your hopes for the future on other people's reactions because it really is like, who the fuck knows? The best I can do is just follow my own feelings and and I'm doing it. It's working, you know? Like, part of me is like, wow, it's three years. This is really long what a really long time that I've been working on this book (laughs) like like I still get a lot of people that funnel into those early episodes especially and there's something about those first like 50 episodes of this podcast where I did it every day that is like uniquely exciting like yeah early on in the process it's going good it's going well everything's exciting everything's vibrant it certainly feels different now that I only put out podcasts once in a while and And I'm so far into the process. Like, I almost feel like there should be a disclaimer at the start of like, hey, by the way, in three years, this book's still not going to be done. (laughs) Part of me feels a little self-conscious about that. But realistically, again, who cares? Who cares about three years? Who cares about four years? Who cares about fucking 50 years? Whatever. (laughs) You know, the only thing that really matters is to just do the best thing you can do for yourself like the most unique thing to you the thing that you care about that you like and yeah I guess it it's especially feels good because I wasn't sure about this chapter I was like should I even do this chapter should I just cut this chapter and then <laughs> my little my little teardrop my little rolling teardrop on the on the cheek is like don't worry buddy it's good it's good it's still working it's all good <laughs> Man, for uh, Song of the Day, this is a little bit opposite of what uh, I was talking about. Because this song, it's an Elliott Smith song called The Enemy Is You. Where really, I just what I just talked about is the opposite. <laughs> you're, your, you're your best friend. You're your best companion. You're your best arbiter of if things are going well or whatever. But I don't like this song literally for the sentiment that The Enemy Is You. It's just a great song. Like I was listening to this yesterday. And I'm like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, you remember that? Like, it was just way in the early days of MP3 players when they were like brand new. I worked at this coffee shop in Vancouver and somebody traded me this weird little MP3 player for like whatever, some cheesecake and shit. And it needed like a little SD card and I didn't have an SD card. So it's inborn storage could only hold four songs. (laughs) It was like ridiculous. But I remember I had four Elliott Smith songs on there just while I went off to find an SD card, and this was one of them. 
And yeah, just hearing it again the other day, this wasn't even an album track. I think it was a B-side from XL. It's just fucking ridiculous how good this song is. Like, there's a lot of Elliott Smith songs that don't really hit me, but there's so many that do, and it's it's fucking nuts. Like, uh, they put out this compilation after he died called New Moon. It was a double album of just outtakes, just stuff he didn't put out. That's how much he had. And there's, like, ten songs on that that are, like, ten out of ten A+. Incredible, that guy. I think his 50th birthday, what would have been his 50th birthday, just passed. And it's a shame, man. Because he's just, man, one of those, like, there's just not another person like him. Ridiculously unique. So here's The Enemy Is You by Elliot Smith. I think that'll probably wrap up the year of 2020. Let's hope 2021 goes a little better. But who the fuck knows, man? (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Go away.